Masonic Light Podcast. This is Past Master Moore calling in. I'm happy to say that I've just finished listening to episode 78. I'm finally caught up with all the episodes, and I'm feeling very happy about that. It is stinking hot today, and I'm watching Apollo 11 shows on TV. I remember when that happened when I was a teenager. Anyway, um, some observations from episode 78. Uh, Jack, I believe you were out of country since episode 50, allegedly on work, but I think you probably left the country to avoid paying your taxes. Glad you're back, but, uh, you know, pay your taxes. Pete, you finally admitted that your trip to Williamsport was nothing but a drunken binge. That's what I suspected, and I'm not disappointed. Ted Dedman, once again, you're the voice of reason. You keep these other idiots in line. And finally, Larry, get over the straw hat. You're a coal cracker from Schuylkill County. You should be wearing a hard hat, not a straw hat, so just get over it. Anyway, Ted, Ted Wallace was the guest, and I think, I think he was an excellent guest, and, and, and he's very well versed in the life of TR, and I believe those of you on the podcast didn't know how to interview him because he was way above you intellectually. Anyway, uh, stay cool. Oh, by the way, uh, we had the workers' picnic at the Valley of Reading last evening. Larry, you were there. You were there, uh, Pete, and a couple other guys from District 1. And hopefully we will continue to get more brethren from District 1 joining the Valley of Reading. Have a great weekend. Uh, Let's get 79 online so I can critique that. Talk to you later. Bye. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Masonic Light Podcast. Hello. This is episode 82. Um, 82, wow. And just wanted to point out that Masonic Light Podcast is brought to you by our patrons. If you would like to become a sponsor of our show, visit patreon.com slash Podcast, And for as little as $1 per month. $1. Come on now. Just for that, you can help us keep the lights on. So on today's episode, we are going to be discussing lots, lots of stuff. Um, And it's really weird because it's... In recording time, it's 9 p.m. We should all be home by now. <laughs> if you if if you listen to episode 81 and you're still listening to us on episode 82, <laughs> we do this for Thank you. you. Thank you for so you. So we Thank apologize you. for the dumpster fire. Um, 
on 81. I just wanted to point out it's all Larry's fault. Yes. 81 turned out to be a good show. Well, only because of Josh, because Josh is a miracle. That's right. That's right. So Josh made it a really good show. So Tim, Jack, and Josh and I were asking Larry for weeks, hey, who's going to be on our show? Don't worry about it. I got it covered. Uh Uh-huh. Who's going to be on the show? What are we talking about? It's a surprise. It's a a secret. So, of course... Jack was the smart one, by the way. Yeah, he was... He decided to drown himself. He was swimming, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get to that. Um, So, anyway, you know, then we... But but thank you to Ken and Steve and was it uh, Eric? Eric. Yeah. 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 You guys are good sports. You're all welcome to come back on again when we're a little more prepared as hosts. Because we're sitting here shell-shocked, having no idea what we're supposed to be talking about, and looking at Larry, and then he's looking at us like, well, you guys talk. Well, make it funny. Oh. <laughs> it was funny last time. <laughs> uh, but also, so tonight's show, we're going to have um, a brief interview that I had in Philly with Barry Banks. Uh, you can Google him. Uh, Brother Barry Banks is a professional opera singer. He's from England, but he's a, a New York Freemason. Uh, good dude. A citizen, too, by the way. He is an American citizen, mm-hmm. but he's a ginger. America. So does that count? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Every time I see him, he's bald, so I wouldn't know that. Oh. oh. Uh, Brother Tim Dedman here is going to have a tip from the Secretary's Crypt. Just just a tip. Just a tip. A uh, listener question from one of our super fans. <laughs> uh, a Jim Stevens, uh, whatever you may call it. Michelle Snyder, we're going to do a blast from the past. We're going to Michelle. dig up a Michelle Snyder episode. Larry's crush. Uh, the Masonic News with Jack Harley. What? And your, our final thoughts with Brother Larry Maris. So in studio today are all the guys I just mentioned. Um, and anyway, gentlemen, we'll just start with Jack. We'll, get, we'll just get, get it over with. What happened to you up in New England? <laughs> So the sh- the short version of this, there's there's a very very distinct difference between having a life preserver and wearing a life preserver. Uh, that's so. I was kayaking with my daughter-in-law. We were each had our own kayaks and a uh, by definition, right? By definition. And a uh, a dragonfly landed on my knee, and I raised my one leg up to swat the dragonfly. And when you do that, you push down on the other leg, and that is exactly how they teach you to roll your kayak over: is raise one leg and push the other one down. So um, I, I I underwent what's called a partial drown- partial drowning. So just the top half that you breathe with. Just, just the part that I breathe with yes. drowned. Because yes. <laughs> the bottom half of the water is usually good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bottom half of the water was like 200 feet down. And, and there is no way to get back in the kayak. And there is no real way to get the, to get the life preserver on at that point. So... Um, <laughs> So, they forgot that part of the instructions, I guess. Yeah, right? what the Put hell? Put it on before you, know, you get in. It was just uh, anyway. So my daughter-in-law Leslie, um, she must love me because she saved my life not once but twice on that on that kayaking trip. 
the first time I just I, I grabbed the bow line on her kayak and and my kayak and I just hung between the two kayaks and I said just get us to the rocks get us to the shore we were about 150 yards out and she just paddled backwards in the kayak and um, she was magnificent she she got us there she she literally saved my life no question about it because I, I would have died that day and uh, we got up on the rocks and I got my I, I <laughs> got the life jacket on and I like coughed up a big loogie and it was red Ooh. and it was bad and I knew when, I, when you're coughing up blood that's probably a bad thing so did you swallow a mollusk? Or like man, I swallowed about half of Lake Sebago in in uh, in Maine. It's a beautiful lake, by the way. If anybody's looking for a vacation spot, Lake Sebago is gorgeous. Don't go there because we want it by ourselves. But it's um, but we got on the rocks and I, I composed myself because at that point I didn't know whether I was going to die from like heart failure or hypothermia or drowning. Right? It was it had to be one of the three. So I, 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 we sat on the rocks for a couple minutes. I composed myself. I put the life jacket on. <laughs> Good call, because wait till the rest of it. And uh, and then we said, okay, let's get back in the kayaks and we'll paddle home and and it'll be okay. And we got about we we paddled back and we're, we're we're probably about three quarters of a mile from from where we were staying and we paddled around the around the point and we're within sight of the house. And my wife is on the shore, and she's uh, she's waving because she's wondering why it's taking so long. And and uh, I said, Leslie, am, is my kayak taking on water? And she said, I don't know. I, yeah, I, th- I think maybe. And sure as hell, <laughs> <laughs> I sank a second time, right? And this one just went down like the Titanic. But right? you've the, got your vest on, right? The, so at this point, I had my vest on, yes. So the, 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 the back end, the stern of the kayak goes down. The bow goes up. And I'm like, I can't do this again. I'm going to die. I, I know I'm going to die. I, Your number I mean, really came up, right? Twice. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I went, just the thing went like bloop in the water. And, and I'm out. Um, and, and I just grabbed onto her kayak. And I said, just go. Just go. And, and I floated and I held on to my kayak and her kayak. And, and she, again, she's so amazing. She, she paddled us back into the shore. And Stephanie, of course, my wife, is on the shore yelling, oh, What are you taking the day off? What are you doing? You goofing off in the water? Ah! <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm nearly dead, right? <laughs> I'm like that close to dead. And my wife is teasing me because she didn't know. And, uh, and my daughter-in-law's going, no, no, don't, no, it's not funny, no. So we got to the shore, and I dragged myself out of the water and plopped down in a chair, and I'm like, I'm gray. I'm not even white. I'm gray. And I'm, I'm coughing up, and I'm spitting out these big lugers that are just blood red. And uh, I'm, we made it to the house. Long story short, we went to the local hospital. They shot me full of... Uh, steroids and antibiotics and boy did I feel good holy cow 
my my arthritis was cured. <laughs> it was a miracle. <laughs> my my knee worked again. It was great. But um, but but I'll tell you all like two things that I learned out of this. First of all, there, again the distinct difference between having a life jacket and wearing one. And um, to Steve Henry, who is our guest at the dumpster fire, um, our um, first responders are grossly underpaid. Um, the guys who uh, were with me in the ambulance going from the, the little tiny local hospital to the big major <laughs> local hospital, uh, he was talking about it. I mean, th- those guys don't make as much as they make at McDonald's. These, these guys are EMTs, you know, they're trained. Their, their training is a mile wide and, like he said, it's a mile wide and six inches deep, right? They have to know a little bit about everything in order to keep you alive long enough to get you to the hospital. And, and they're, making, they're making maybe minimum wage, maybe. And um, I, I am just so thankful for those guys that were there for me when I needed them. And uh, and I just want to put it out there that 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 we need to take better care of those guys because that's a job that not everybody wants. And Pete, you've been a you've been a on the nine one one line. You know what that's about. Well, we're glad you're alive because <laughs> we didn't have any news prepared on our own. <laughs> <laughs> In Masonic news today. Um, so does do any so. <laughs> So that'll be enough. Do any of the rest of us have anything of note? Can't beat that. Not, not, no, not, I can't. No, 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 you can't. No, no. Not no. even close. No. All right. So I just want. I did want to point out one thing. Um, a couple weeks ago, all these very, very illustrious men all over the northern Masonic jurisdiction went out to Milwaukee to get this the secret brass ring of Freemasonry. And I just want to point out that there's a few men that were Masons for years, very accomplished Masons, but they appeared on our show and then they got nominated for the 33rd degree. Amazing. Not only do they appear, they're contributors. I mean, yeah. they've been with us. So a big thank you to, uh, for, for that miserable guy at the beginning of the show. <laughs> that is so mean. Our announcer. I kind of like him. Our announcer, Brian. <laughs> And uh, recent guest, John Cook. So uh, congratulations. You guys uh, really deserve it. And thank you yeah. for being on our show. That's Jeff Moyer, Brian Hill, and John Cook. Fantastic. That's what he just said. No, he didn't mention <laughs> didn't mention Moyer's full name. <laughs> All right. Who would? So well, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with um, an interview on um, with opera singer Barry Banks. Why choose George J. Grove & Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. From planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. So next little segment, um, I happened to be in Philadelphia last Thursday for, uh, I see my, uh, my cancer specialist every two months at the University of Pennsylvania. And my good friend, Barry Banks, who is a, um, a New York Mason, he's also a world-renowned opera singer. Well, he'll be at the Academy of Music probably when this is getting uh, aired um, in singing opera. He's uh, But he's been all over the world. He's, if you go on his uh, Facebook page or look at his resume online, he has literally been everywhere in the world of merit. Um, and so, I mean, if there's time, look up uh, his show in Philadelphia and go see him. He's amazing. Uh, have you ever met him, Larry? Yeah, I did. When did at you the, meet him? A few years ago at Grotto, and when we were still in Harrisburg, he came dressed as a nun, and he oh, and he yeah. and he participated in the uh, the ceremonial, and he was phenomenal. And I never knew this guy's background, and they made him get up and sing after. I was dumbfounded. And Larry this. said, "Wow, you're pretty good. You you should be a professional." <laughs> <laughs> freaking idea a world renowned he's actually world renowned um and he's also world renowned in ubar grotto because he got us our first letter from supreme about <laughs> conduct and not wearing a dress and things <laughs> it's been downhill ever since barry thanks a lot for the that, first of many right yeah. <laughs> so uh anyway take a listen and uh here comes uh opera singer barry banks Pete, Masonic Light Podcast, and I am here in Philadelphia with Brother Barry Banks. Welcome, Barry. Ah, nice to be here. So, Barry, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. For I know who you are, but for our, our, our listeners, um, where where did you become a Freemason? I'm glad you know who I am because I haven't got a clue who I am. <laughs> and going back to going to Freemason, um, so I um, I'd always been fascinated by it, but never. Uh, never looked any further into it. I moved to Scotland, uh, and of course, Freemasonry is kind of a big very deal. Very big deal there. But I was always, always rather intimidated by it, and so I never did anything about it. And one of my first professional gigs, uh, as you know, uh, I'm an opera singer, so I. Um, I travel a lot, and one of my first international gigs was in um, Amsterdam. And one night, I was in my apartment, and a knock came on the door, and I opened the door, and there was this guy, this American guy out there, said, "Hey, I'm Tom, <laughs> uh, and I hear you're a singer." And he he, he was a uh, a singer, okay, and uh, he so he came and introduced him, uh, himself to me, and wanted me to take him to a bar. He said, "I ah, hear you know the bars," 
So uh, we went out. Is this Tom Jones? Oh no, he's British. <laughs> he's, he's British. Okay. Um, uh, his name was Tom Hammonds, okay. or is Tom Hammonds, and um, so I became friends with him. Years later, I was working at the Metropolitan Opera, and Tom was there, and I noticed his ring. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is about 15 years after I met him. And I just asked him, I said, oh, because uh, I'd always seen the Masonic rings. They were a big thing in the 70s. Black onyx right. Masonic rings were a big thing. And so I'd always seen them. But and in the UK, it's kind of kept it's kept down low uh, a little uh, bit. Rather more okay. than, than it is. In fact, um, uh, I'll fast forward and tell, tell you that I'm an American Freemason, despite my, um, my accent. Uh, and they think it's rather um, gross of us to wear jewelry, uh, uh, telling, telling everybody that we're Freemasons. So it's, not, it's not cricket. Um, <laughs> so uh, I asked Tom, and he just, he didn't fob me off, but he didn't, you know, he told me about it, and then um, a bit later he told me a bit more, and uh, and then I went my merry way. Then I went back to the Met two years later, and Tom was there again. Okay. And so we got to talking again, and he invited me to a table lodge. And... Uh, that's how it all started. Uh, I then had my introduction into Freemasonry, and he was the sitting master of what became my mother lodge. Uh, and um, so, uh, but he's old school. You know, you knock three times. Right. Uh, it was all. There was no. Um, he wasn't going to go out of his way. He really wanted you to be to, the, He wanted me to seek for it, yes. Uh, and that went to. Um, he then made a phone call and said, um, Well, you've been given your information now. It's, you know. And it took me to call him and say, Can we go to the next step? before he would go to the next step. Which I rather like that old-fashioned, I like that old-fashioned right. view. Well, here's one of the things we're trying to do on the show now. Um, I really wanted you to come on. A, great because you're amazing. But we want to try and have men on that um, have interesting lives. You're the only opera singer I know. <laughs> so, um, so tell me a little bit about, about that career. So, like, you've performed all over the world. I've been lucky. It's been uh, very... Um, it's been a wonderful journey for me. Uh, working class boy made good sort of story. Uh, I come from a very poor village, and um, and I, I'm the only musician in a family of non-musicians. Uh, I started life off as a trumpet player, and then it suddenly happened that somebody said, oh, I think you have a voice. And so I trained, and um, I was lucky enough to go to the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. And so it's, it's, it has, as you said, 
taken me all over the world. It's, uh, so um, we're in uh, Philadelphia today because you're going to be performing here in Philadelphia at the Academy yeah. of Music. So yep, for the first time. Um, uh, so, so it's my debut in Philly, and it's really interesting because, I, and I didn't know this until I got here, the theater in Philly is designed on the designs of La Scala Milan, oh, the, neat. the great opera house in Milan. So I'm, I've not been in the auditorium. I've sung in La Scala, but I've not sung in Philly yet. And oh, so, and so today, it's today's be, practice? Uh, no, t- uh, next week we'll go into the theater. Oh, so but, you're just going to so, practice in a... Yeah, in a rehearsal room. And okay. so it's going to be it's going to be fantastic to go into this smaller version. Wow. Uh, I went I went to my first opera a couple of years ago and didn't really understand. Before I went, I didn't understand it. I thought it was such an archaic art form I didn't get it and then magically when I was able to hear these men and women with no ample no absolutely no, no amplification, amplification yeah being able to project and reach art and articulate although it's usually in a language I don't understand but well the one you're coming to see me in is going to be in English, English so okay but it just like oh now I got it because yeah. you know 100 years ago 500 years ago they had to yell. They had to scream. Well, not scream. Well, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, it's, <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? It's it's like it's like um, life and how life um, uh, develops. Churches. How many churches have you been in, which have the minister doing his homily or sermon or whatever you want to call it, and he's mic'd? In the olden days, when Freemasonry started and all those incredible cathedrals were there, you go into any of those cathedrals and the pulpit is high up, right. about two-thirds the way down the cathedral. And there was no amplification. Those people learned to orate. So they had these wonderful big Old Testament booming voices. And we've lost, uh, somewhere along the way, we've lost that um, art of oratory, of, of uh, being able to uh, project our voices. Now, as, as opera singers, we have to carry on with that tradition. And I don't care what you read, opera singers are not on the whole, opera singers are not microphoned. We, we, you might see a mic on, on a, a, a week somewhere if the opera is being broadcast for TV because it's a clarity of, of, of sound for the TV. Okay. But that's not projected into the opera house. So uh, I, I, I think the, the biggest auditorium that I've sung in, unamplified, is something like eight thousand. I think the I think the Albert Hall in London takes. And when was that? Was how old is that building? Is that? Hmm. Good question. Uh, Mid eighteen hundreds, maybe. So um, I mean, it's not it's not modern uh, acoustic technology. These guys just actually, knew what they were doing. Actually, let's go back to the cathedral building. We wouldn't. Take Notre Dame, take what's happening in Notre Dame now, and um, also uh, in 90, I think something like 1996 or 1998, part of York Minster 
the, the big cathedral in York in Britain burnt down and they had to scrape all over Europe and, some, and, and the world for master masons to come and rebuild part of the minster and I think I think they lived on site for something like 10 years now we've lost it we couldn't build a building nowadays oh if you go like to, Notre Dame well or these if, if you just go around the corner from here to the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania the amount of available skilled craftsmen that we had in the United States coming from Europe in the 1800s yeah I mean it was a dime a dozen yep and now you can't it would be millions if not a billion dollars to to rebuild that because there's just no there's no there's no artisans like that but we've also lost the knowledge if you look at some of those gothic cathedrals the flying buttresses outside you stare and wonder at how these walls were made we don't know that Um, uh, so yeah these we, we talk about modern acousticians I've worked in some modern opera houses and modern stores, some which have phenomenal acoustics that were done with modern acousticians. I've also worked in some modern um, concert halls that had so-called fabulous acousticians and the acoustics are absolutely dreadful. So it's... Uh, in, in, in terms of um, design, there are classic two classic shapes for a concert hall. One is an oblong, okay, and the other is a horseshoe. Okay. When you go out with those two shapes, you then have to start messing around with sound blocks and such. It's and also there's the materials that are used, but the two classic shapes are oblong and a horseshoe. And you'll, you'll find that most great concert halls and houses in the world have one or the other of those shapes. Well, thank you. It's, it's the whole science that of an art combined that, yeah. that us non-operophile, is that a word? <laughs> I, 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 it is now. <laughs> well, we don't know. So, uh, when are the dates of the show? Because this will probably this will air before the show. I think the I think opening night is the twenty. I think we have twenty twenty two, and then twenty six September October October. Uh, September September. Oh, so yeah. this month. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know uh, my wife bought tickets, so I don't know. I think I'm co- we're coming on a Sunday. I don't know. If it's a Sunday, if it's not the first weekend, it's the last performance. Yes. Then uh, I can throw fruit at you. Uh, you can throw fruit at me, but we probably actually on that last. If it's on the twenty eighth, you're coming. There's a Q and A afterwards, and I'm doing the Q and A. So you can. Can throw, I ask really inappropriate y- yes, questions? Yes, you can. You can. Whether I answer them or not is. And Mr. And Banks, it, are you a turtle? <laughs> ah, you bet your sweet. Oh, you, you, uh, you can you can speak freely you on bet your sweet ass I am. There we go. <laughs> oh, well, perfect. Well, I look forward to seeing you, and uh, we'll hit stop the recording so we can continue to have our fun at the Excellent. Tavern. Thank you very much. That would be good. Let's Thank- go back to the bar. Thanks. <laughs> at the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast.
Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse. Or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. Hey, Tim. That's a sharp-looking shirt you got on there. Where'd you get it? Oh, I got it at the Masonic Marketplace. What? Masonic Marketplace? What's that? Yeah, it's an online store for the Scottish Rite of the Northern Masonic Jurisdiction. They've got all kinds of great shirts, ties, and gifts available, and they'll ship it right to your house. Awesome. Where do I find them? Just go to www.themasonicmarketplace.com. Wow, that was almost like a real commercial. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so segment, bad advice, good advice. All right, so what yeah, are we if about? we can have... Uh, so everybody, here's time for a quick segment only because somebody actually wrote us a letter. So I'm going to call it... <laughs> Bad advice, good advice. We'll quickly go around the horn. Um, so this comes from uh, Brother Jacob Massey in Georgia. Now, uh, Jake is a brand new, newly raised Master Mason. And his question is, Pete, I finally got raised and I'll be turning... Uh, what? I'll be turning in my final catechism this weekend. Any advice on what to start working on, ritual, research areas... Where do I begin searching for more light from here? So um, I don't know whether you got bad advice or good advice, Tim. What are you What are you thinking? I think the most important thing for a newly raised master mason is to better understand what you just went through. Uh, come back into the lodge and see some other folks go through those degrees because um, you are in really a condition in which you're not going to get all that you can as, as you're having those degrees conferred upon you. Um, so that's the, the advice that I actually give new people into my lodge is come back and see the degree work when you're not the candidate. And almost without fail, they will say, wow, I actually forgot about that. I didn't realize that. And so that's a great first step to more learning. Brother Jack, you've conferred a uh, metric assolute of degrees. So what would you recommend? I would say if he has just gotten raised, um, that he should go out and find a copy of Born in Blood. And he should read Born in Blood by John Robinson and understand that it is a work of fiction. He didn't mention the Red Serpent. You can tell by the misspellings that that's a work of nonsense. <laughs> I said fiction, not nonsense. No, I, I no. I, it, congratulations, uh, Jacob. It, it's uh, it's great that you've joined the fraternity. 
It's great that you're asking these questions. Um, sincere condolences that you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, but um, you're already doing the right thing. You're talking to people. You're you're asking questions. You're you're doing great. And and just enjoy the ride because you're going to find things in here that you never thought you'd you'd find. Larry, is this good advice, bad advice? Well, we already know which one you have, but so please share. <laughs> See, me, I say go take a nap, wake up with a clear mind, make the right decision. <laughs> That's my advice. There you go. Uh, my only advice, I guess, would be uh, just there's no rush. Uh, there's just no rush. I I got in. <clears throat> I quick joined Scottish Rite, York Rite. I went through and got all the degrees. I joined the shrine, and then I had like nine dues cards, and I didn't go to any of their meetings yet. Like, it, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just if I could do it over again, I would have spent a little more time hanging out in Blue Lodge, and then if I found a group of men that I really enjoyed hanging out with them, I'd maybe find an independent body that kind of fit what I was into, and just kind of like stuck with them for a little while as well. Don't do everything all at once. Josh? What's a catechism? <laughs> People in those other jurisdictions do that stuff. They have to do... They welcome have to, do, to Pennsylvania, Yeah, welcome Josh. to Pennsylvania. <laughs> they have to do very important... Th- they actually have to learn what they just went through. What? <laughs> so basically, by the time you're a, um, a master mason in other states, you're more qualified than a... Ma- than a Master Mason in Pennsylvania. I mean, a uh, worshipful master in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Oh, Close. good grief! So, what kind of advice? Uh, just enjoy it. Take it all in. Uh, like Pete said, don't rush anything. Don't feel like you need to join all these other bodies and and do all these other degrees and stuff. Uh, just find the things that you're interested in. Focus on that. Focus on how you can contribute with your interests and let that kind of guide you except grotto join grotto right away uh, yeah. right that's true <laughs> it's a great question they don't Jake. really have one in georgia so they'll have to but he can join ubar he can join ubar and then take yes. it to take it to georgia absolutely all righty so um let's hear another wonderful segment let's uh let's hear about i don't know who we're gonna hear from jim jim stevens It's time for the Lodge Business Brief with Brother Jim Stevens. Well, again, Masonic Light Podcast listeners, this is Jim Stevens with another Lodge Business Brief. The idea of marketing our fraternity can meet with significant opposition. Despite that opposition, the fraternity is actively engaged in marketing. The square and compasses appear on our buildings. We march in parades. Our Grand Lodges have websites. Our Blue Lodges have Facebook pages. We have emblems on our cars, we produce podcasts, write books, and wear jewelry. The question should not be whether we can market, but rather how and why we market. The why question is best answered by looking at the opposite position, not advertising. The fraternities, detractors, and conspiracy theorists are constantly producing and pushing out new content. If we do not provide positive content, all that will exist is the negative they produce. This does not mean we need to violate our obligation by engaging in an argument. It simply means that we need to create positive content. Our next members are looking online and on social media long before they ask about joining the Lodge. 
we need to satisfy their curiosity and give them a reason to ask. The how question is best answered by your body's stated purpose, and with that, their target customer. For example, if your lodge is trying to increase the number of baby boomers in lodge, Instagram would not be a great choice for marketing. Conversely, if you're trying to gain members in the 18 to 25 age group, newspapers are not your best choice. Not all purposes involve gaining members, but whatever your group's purpose is, there's a marketing plan that will work. Inexpensive marketing plans can be created through a number of avenues. First, there may be one or more members who are already engaged in marketing. Use their expertise and experience to create new content. Second, there is probably another local Masonic group that is doing something similar. You can use their ideas. Third, national and state bodies already have marketing material and digital content ready. Lastly, you can contact the local college. Their marketing students may be willing to create the content you need for low cost or even for free if you allow them to add it to their portfolio. Additional methods, examples, and explanations of external marketing can be found in my book, Lodge Business, The Theoretical Application of Entrepreneurial Business Practices to the Blue Lodge, available on Amazon. This is Jim Stevens with your Lodge Business Brief. In Masonic News Today, the Grand Lodge of Georgia has released an edict clarifying what is and what is not appropriate attire for a lodge meeting. While there has been a great deal of interweb commentary concerning the edict, it is the right of every Grand Lodge jurisdiction to set its own standards in, in such matters. In a related story, the Supreme Council of the Mystic Order of Veiled Prophets of the Enchanted Realm has announced that henceforth all grotto ceremonial meetings will no longer be pants optional. Nice. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Prophets. So moat it was. Party. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Tim Dedman, past master and secretary of Eureka West Shore Lodge, number 302 in Mechanicsburg, with the inaugural Secretary's Tip from the Crypt. For many Masonic lodges and other appendant bodies, September is the time when you begin to collect dues for the 2020 Masonic year. One of the biggest tips I can offer you is to offer your members the ability to pay their dues online. Regardless of where you are, there are many tools that you can use, such as PayPal, Square, just to name a few. If you're a Blue Lodge secretary in Pennsylvania, the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania has made this very easy, and it saves you a ton of time using a tool called Stripe that is accessible through the Salesforce database. Once activated, you not only can collect dues, but it enables your members to also make contributions to your various lodge funds, such as the general fund, scholarship, and almoners. When a lodge member pays their dues online, the member can update their own contact information, the payment is recorded in your secretary's cash book immediately and transferred to the treasurer's cash book. And within just a couple of days, those funds are automatically transferred to your lodge's bank account. The only action you have to do then as secretary is send that member a new dues card. 
So let me encourage you, whether you are a Blue Lodge secretary or the secretary of an appended body, make this modern-day service of online dues payment available to your members. They will appreciate the convenience, and it will simplify your job. Unlocking Symbols with Symbologist Michelle Snyder. The Twelve Dancing Princesses Unlocked. This folk tale was recorded by the Grimms Brothers and is sometimes called the Worn Out Dancing Shoes. With the right key, we can learn much from this lovely story. But first, you may ask why unlock fairy tales? Once upon a time stories are the greatest love stories ever told. Love of mother for child, of brother for sister, of the hero and maiden for each other. They tell us of epic struggles and the conquering power of good. They are layered with history as they migrate and change with the cultures that tell them. Not only do these wonder tales share ancient ethics and cultural traditions, they are fractured records of prehistoric knowledge. Reading the stars and foretelling the seasons was critical to survival during the Ice Ages and facilitated defense and trade on the seas. Although in our time knowledge of astronomy and the zodiac may be common, one secret buried in oral tradition is how old this knowledge really is. The story of the twelve princesses holds such a treasure. Twelve beautiful princesses sleep in twelve beds in the same room with doors securely locked. Each morning their shoes look as though they had been dancing all night. The king, desperate to discover what is going on, offers a great prize to the one who finds out the truth. Several princes try and fail, but then a soldier tricks the twelve girls and follows them through a trap door, then into twelve boats, down a river, to a castle where the princesses dance all night with twelve princes. The soldier retrieves a branch from each of three trees he passes, one of silver, one of gold, and one of diamonds, and then finds a golden cup, which he gives the king as proof. This is a wonderfully enchanting story filled with symbols and allegory. With roots in astronomical knowledge going back 77,000 years, this tale tells of keeping secrets, represented by the mysteriously worn out shoes, and getting to know the 12 zodiacal constellations the princes they dance with. Together, the princes and princesses make 24 the number of hours in a day. Time is symbolized by the movement of the river and the boats. The 24 characters dance with the mathematics necessary to measure time using the stars. The expression, the dance of the planets, refers to the intricate movement of the wandering spheres against the backdrop of the never-changing stars. The music to which they dance alludes to Pythagorean concept of the music of the spheres, a theory as to the creation of matter and harmony of vibration. The golden cup alludes to the sun or the grail. The precious branches symbolize the value of gaining such knowledge. Next time we will find another part of our golden key in Archetypes Unlocked. If you'd like to take a deeper look, be sure to check out Michelle's book, Symbology Revision. A link for purchase can be found on the Freya Foundation website. That's freafoundation.net. While you're there, take a look at some of Michelle's other works and find out more about the Freya Foundation and its mission to research and publish the Ensman archives.
Welcome back. Uh, we're about ready to uh, close up the show for the night, but what are we going to be doing in, uh, in the next you know, few days? What's going on sonically for us? Well, by the time this airs, uh, it'll be too late to buy a ticket for Lodge in the Woods, but if you already have your ticket for Lodge in the Woods, please don't forget to come. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Wednesday uh, the 18th, uh, September, September the 18th at um, the J. Edward Mack uh, Scout Reservation in... Is it Newmanstown? I think it's Newmanstown. I know. It's just like yeah. a little bit like into Lebanon County. Road, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's a great time. If you've, if you've got your ticket already, we're going to look forward to seeing you. If you don't have your ticket yet, you're, you're just you're lost. But, or, or find Josh. Apparently, he has six tickets that he didn't sell Josh yet. Josh has secret tickets available. Um, Saturday, October 19th at the Valley of Reading, you can come and see the world-famous magician Lance Burton and Friends. Um, $40 for adults, $25 for children. We just had some Masons in Las Vegas saying that uh, it's $125 to see this show in Las Vegas. So please come out, visit the Valley of Reading box office for tickets, or you can go on eventbrite.com, search for Lance Burton. All proceeds benefit the Dyslexic Center of Reading. I always have to make... It's horrible. I always want to misspell that. I think it's just the worst. I just think it's a it's it's a complicated word. Did you Uh, have trouble in college? I did. All right, so I'll uh, cover the last two items here then. Don't forget that Autumn Days is coming up on Saturday the 21st at the Masonic Villages in Elizabethtown. And if you've heard us mention this on previous uh, episodes, the Ubar Grotto Pumpkin Roll will be surely the highlight of that day. Uh, Make sure you uh, seek us out. Um, I got to tell you, there's a lot of buzz around this event. Pumpkins are limited. Um, so get there early. People have mentioned this to me. Like the D. Malay kids have heard about it. It's it's getting a little, you know. Get out. Yeah. Cool. Nice. The other thing is on Thursday, I'm sorry, on Wednesday the 25th uh, at the Mason-Dixon Boy Scout Camp in Littleton, Pennsylvania, which is right off of exit 180 of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, uh, the District 3 Lowvale. Uh, tickets can be purchased by going to GLPA. D3.org. Hey, Larry, what's, uh, what, is it duck season? Is it rabbit season? Rabbit season. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, he doesn't have his glasses on. He probably can't see the screen. Oh, it's reunion season. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, October, November. It's definitely Scottish, right? It's time for the plays. Season. Time for the plays. Peyton and I are already in one. We can't um, say which one we're. Well, we can say which one we're in, but we can't say what our role is. Right. So, if if you wish to join the Scottish Rite, or if you are already are a member and want to come back uh, for a reunion, visit Scottish Rite. And uh, I can't read it. Scottish Rite dot org dot org uh, to find out the dates for the reunions in your area. Uh, your local Masonic Light uh, podcast, Valley of Lancaster, is Tuesday, October the. 5th, 15th? What is that? 
Tuesday, October 15th for Lancaster. You know, I failed my eye test. <laughs> the, the Valley of Reading will be Saturday, November 16th. And Tim is scrambling because the Valley of Harrisburg hasn't updated their website. <laughs> oh, the Grand, the grand no. Valley of uh, Harrisburg's is... Do, 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 it's not posted. It's not posted. It's not posted. So, so we'll talk to our... Uh, you know, John, they, it's not too late to take that thirty third away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it's probably posted somewhere. It's probably the same weekend as Reading because exactly. sometimes they don't play nice. Right. <laughs> and what's happening October twenty seventh? October twenty seventh is the Ubar Grotto Halloweeny ceremonial. And if you're a master mason and you want to join the most fun body in Freemasonry, reach out to Monarch. Oh wait, Monarch Jack. <laughs> that would be me. At MasonicLightPodcast at gmail.com. Send us a message. Tell us you desperately want to join Ubar Grotto. And we will hook you up to get initiated. We'll take your money and you will get a dues card. A dues card. Yes. You will get a dues card. Absolutely. Uh, And there you go. Um, so, and our next episode, 82. It's actually 83. Oh, 83. 83. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be recapping the Lodge in the Woods. Also, we're either going to have Ryan Flynn or John Bridegroom on. We don't know because we're punch drunk because we've recorded like seven shows tonight. And, Larry, and Larry's caught in the DeLorean going back in time, back and forth. So whichever one he comes and back you know from. about the... We've been it, here since 6 o'clock and it's 9.30. <laughs> Cue those chickens. Hey, Larry, take us out of here. <clears throat> Our special thanks to Effort Lodge 665 for making this broadcast studio possible. Our thanks to Josh Lamberton, producer and director, a new title with the same pay grade. Thanks to Jack Harley, our news director and angel wannabe. And to Tim Dedman, marketing director and guiding light. Like we can be guided. <laughs> and to our MLP um, Sonic Lake podcaster contributors, Michelle Snyder and Jim Stevens. And I've got a little thing now. This is going to take a little time because I have to find this. No. Where is it? We don't have time for that. Okay. It's going to be hysterical. Wait. Wait for it. Oh, no, really. Geez, where is Wait it? For it? Wait for it. Wait for it. Larry. All right. Here, we here go. it is. Here it is. <laughs> so funny. All right. <clears throat> this is something. This is uh, what I kind of call news from the Mid Atlantic Independent Grand Lodge. It's uh, a, a flash that came in from Politerate Politerate Lodge. And it, it, this is in an effort to improve attendance. Thanks for listening. This is Larry. Have a good night. Let Josh fix that whole show. <laughs> this is Pete. <laughs> this is Tim. <laughs> this is what's left of Jack. 
And this is Josh. <laughs> oh, no, you got a fade on your mouth. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.